All right, welcome to the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Mike and Doppel here. Oh, now we get the music, Zach. Oh, Listen, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Oh, music delay. What's up? I love it. And we got Louie. The is not moving, but we're hearing words. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, get it on. All right, oh. so we are here. Horse Racing Happy Hour. I'm in the United States. Louie is not. Well, I guess technically Louie's in the United States. I am I mean, definitely could, in the United States. You yeah. Know. Yeah, so Louie's down hey, in Puerto Zach, Rico. Hey, Zach, do me a favor. Lift up those uh, logos for right now. We want to see Dan Elman's beautiful face. <laughs> That's true. We do want to see Dan Elman's <laughs> actual face. Uh, not put him behind the horse happy horse. Happy, and he happy is Dan people. Elman from the DRF. Joins us again for some reason at DRF underscore Dan Elman. Uh, you find him there on Twitter, of course. And then um, covered all things Mid-Atlantic for uh, the DRF. Lots of really good videos on their website as well. So make sure you go check out all of Dan's stuff. Um, and then, of course, uh, our guy, John Piasek, who uh, uh, I go head to head with on our America's Best Racing Picks and all those sorts of things. At They're off on Twitter with Maryland Breeders and all that. Uh, gentlemen, how are we happy? I mean, what what do we call this day? Because I think Mike and I have always thought of this as Harvard Frenchie Day. I'm not going to lie. I know it's General George Day. <laughs> well, I always call it General George slash Barbara Fritchie Day because as far as I'm concerned, they kind of have like equal standing in my book. So it's kind of like a, it's, it's, it's a double bill kind of deal so uh, likes to come up with cute names for each of their stakes races i'm not sure if this is the winter festival or the winter carnival or something right. like yeah, no, track. It's, it's it's like you got you got uh, a spectacular this is a carnival okay. this is a festival this is a uh, extravaganza actually I, actually i think this one is called a uh, winter mardi gras is what this oh, one's called no. oh yeah. no oh or mardi oh. gras in maryland or something i don't know yeah, right. Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. And when I, look, when I think Laurel, Maryland, I think Mardi Gras. I, I, well, I mean, it is a super Catholic thing, right? Mardi Gras is a Catholic thing. <laughs> Maryland, that's the first diocese in the United States. I'm all for it. <laughs> there you go. But we do have a couple preps here. Um, obviously, uh, races three and four for those three-year-olds. This is why we're doing these shows. Get you ready for that Preakness Trail, for that Black Eyed Susan Trail. The wide uh, country is race three, seven for a long of the Phillies, and then race four will be the Miracle Wood. Uh, for the boys, uh, stretched about to a mile here, one turn mile at Laurel. Reminder that they could easily host the Breeders' Cup there, um, and so uh, you know, I'd like to drop that in for John every episode. Um, Laurel, the older I get, I get miracle wood every once in a while. I guess you know, <laughs> a little miracle wood. That's right. Uh-huh. And then the late pick five here is, I mean, it's as good a pick five as there is in the country, uh, probably outside of the Risen Star pick five. But frankly, I think it's second best. And so that late pick five, and Dan always likes to remind you. Low takeout rate on that pick five. Twelve percent can't beat that. Yeah, it's very, very, Whoa. very playable. So. I would like to say, with all due respect to anyone who might be playing tomorrow, I really hope nobody hits it. That way, we'll, we'll have a carryover <laughs> on top of what's already a great sequence. So, once again, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, I love, I love everyone out there. Love everyone who plays Maryland. Please don't hit the pick five tomorrow. That's all I ask. There you go. And uh, I think they listen to the show, and here's how I know. I scolded them last month for carding a nickel claimer at the end of this card. And this and this month, we get an optional claimer. We get a starter allowance. I mean, yeah, a nice steal, starter too. optional claimer. Through. You're damn right. Listen to this show, people. It's good ideas, and then they put them in place. It's an awesome – it's actually a very playable thing. We'll get into all of it. But, uh, Mike, go ahead and get us started with our race three. Yeah, so the first race we're going to talk about is the Wide Country. It's a seven-furlong sprint on the dirt for three-year-old fillies. $100,000 purse. Uh, this is a prep uh, for the Black Eyed Susan. And uh, let's get started. Uh, Dan, what do you think about this race? 
I think that we're not going to see maybe the caliber of Philly we've seen the last couple of years. We've seen horses like Street Loot and Luna Bell win this race. Yep. And at that point, they were the dominant three-year-old fillies in Maryland. And I think these fillies are still sort of sorting themselves out. I think that the winner of the Extra Heat, L Street Lady, is probably the horse to beat for trainer Brittany Russell. Uh, she got a very nice trip last time out and ran down Chickiness, who's also in this field. One of the more interesting race horses in the race is from New York, that Stonewall uh, star in New York, bred, who finished third in her one start at Laurel, but she was in against Malibu Moonshine that day, who probably would be favored if she was running in this race. Interesting is kind of this horse coming in from Northern California, trying dirt for the first time, Sally Sassy. It looks like she uh, can finish up a little bit. Dirt's a big question mark. I looked at this race. I really don't love anyone chickiness to me might be the third choice in this race and while she had no excuse last time out when losing to l street lady i think she's going to get to the front and maybe they'll leave her alone a little bit we're John? seeing sally sassy out oh. of the jonathan long barn here which is interesting uh dan because you know this in northern california he has to make that transition from golden gate to the uh, fair scene which a lot of those races are on dirt so he's done it before um and you know with his barn largely moving to Kentucky at this point. I think you're, I think you're going to see his name a little bit in some of these stakes. I think like a Barbara Fritchie next year or a General George might have more longer. And he has excellent numbers. Synthetic to dirt. I checked it out in DRF's formulator. He's eight for his last 23 with a big ROI. John, what do you think about this race? I think it begins and ends with L Street Lady. I really like to win last time in the extra heat because going into that race, I thought it was kind of a coin flip between her and, and chickiness. I liked um, both of them and L street lady raced wide throughout, didn't change leads, but still drew off pretty impressively one by two and, and, and a quarter lengths on the brisnet scale. We had a much improved figure of 91. And that's um, pretty far and away the best last out figure in the field. Um, as someone who works for the MHBA, I do have to, um, Particularness, <laughs> yeah. her and Gormley's Gabriella, two of the 17 Maryland bred entered in Stakes Company on Saturday. That being said, I'm a little bit over chickiness. I mean, looked pretty good in winning a Maryland Million Lassie, but has lost three of her nest four, all of them at low odds. In fact, her only win was in an allowance optional claiming those two starts back that she really couldn't lose. Um, every time she's had her face, Top quality, relatively speaking. Six caliber horses since then. She really hasn't done much, and 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 I think um, she'll take a lot more money than she deserves. So, so. And John's absolutely right. I mean, I won't argue with anyone that says L Street Lady A is probably the best horse coming in. B might have the most upside potential, and three might get the best trip sitting off the pace. She is going to take a lot of money. The lead change thing didn't bother me. I talked to Brittany Russell earlier today. Uh, it did bother me. It didn't bother Brittany. I wanted to ask, um, so last month we explained a lot of these were state-bred races or state-sired races. Dan, have we gotten to the point where we've stripped that off of the, uh, the list of uh, reasons that you could or could not enter these races? Uh, for these races, yes. These are going to be open stakes races. You're going to see horses shipping down as we see Stonewall Stars in New York bred. Uh, she's here. Uh, she was running an open company at Laurel in her last race. Uh, yeah, these are these. You're going to see Maryland breds near the good ones, and they're going to have to stay. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the Barber Bridge. All right, we're going to move on to the fourth race, which is the Miracle Wood Stakes. Uh, this is a mile in the dirt for three-year-olds in a prep for the uh, the Tessio in. The Preakness, um, we got to right off the bat, Louie, like a, 
a horse that should be the 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 horse of the show, the feeling woozy. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be my simple middle pick no, right I, there. The Irish War Cry. Uh, beer cold is is coming up later too. So I mean, it's like. Yeah, everyone's doing a lot for this show while we improve the card as well. No, it's, I, it's, it's I a agree. Give and take. Give and take. Yeah. So why don't you uh, go ahead and let me tell us who you like in this one? You know, Prince of Jericho. I mean, just you know, I hate to go back to back with really, really. You know, he wins by four last time out. He had the fluky uh, turnaround. Gets to keep the Lasix here because of the Maryland rules. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this horse going forward. But the seventh furlong seemed to be really, really nice to him. I think going an extra furlong is going to be even better. This is a Munnings, Medallia Doro on the bottom. He seems to be bred for it. Um, I just, I, I would I would like to look in another place, but I think that Triple Crown nomination was tossed on him because they're hoping to back their way in through the Tessio and get him into the Prince. Uh, John, you think uh, anyone's going to challenge Prince of Jericho? I do not. And I know um, Louis mentioned, oh, it could be interesting to see where he goes. And I know the obvious road for, for a Maryland-based three-year-old is to go to the Tessio. However, if he wins this impressively, I think they'll have to at least um, consider putting him in the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct, okay. give him a shot and maybe getting a few derby points. I mean, he ran like a possible derby horse last time out. It was him against Coffee with Chris, who's also in here, and he just ran away from him in a nice wide move. One by four, Lance going away. And if he had one like that at, at a bigger track, he's probably on the bottom of a lot of people's top 20 derby lists. But because it, it, it was in Maryland, he's, he's not getting as much attention. I do think while Prince of Jericho is a pretty obvious win bet and a pretty obvious single in the pick five, if you're playing an exacto or a trifecta, there's a lot of ways to go. As Mike mentioned, um, feeling woozy, one of five Maryland dreads in here. One A... First level allowance at this distance, pretty presently last time out. Um, got pace pressure, drew off, won by almost three lengths, and ran a career best distance speed figure. Coffee with Chris, a solid second behind from the Jericho after a win in the HEP 2 starts back. Sevens, 11, a son of Banbach, the Carlos Mancia, focus maiden on the lead last time out in, 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 in a much improved performance. There's a lot of horses um, in here who could take big steps forward and could come in second. If Prince of Jericho runs his race, uh, Dan, which is you? It's the rubber match, uh, Mike. Uh, Coffee with Chris beat uh, Prince of Jericho the first time they met. Uh, Brittany Russell told Carol Sedano, "Be a lot more aggressive. Don't let that horse get away." In the last time out in the spectacular bid, and Carol listened perfectly, and Prince of Jericho ran right by him. The key determining factor, I think, is distance. Brittany is embracing distance with Prince of Jericho. I talked to John Salzman. He's very concerned about coffee with Chris as these distances increase. Uh, I agree with you guys. Prince of Jericho is the horse to beat. If I'm looking to play exactas, I'm looking at two horses. I'm looking at Riccio, a horse that ran third last time out, who's just this big, giant horse who is crying out for more distance and ground, and he's going to get a chance to stretch out to a route here. And B. West, who last time, if you watched his race, he was moving really well, and then he got dirt kicked in his face for the first time, and he completely freaked out. He lost his action. He dropped back three, four, five lengths, and then he ran on at the end for third. He's a horse that has already won twice at the one-turn mile at Laurel. I could get on board with Riccio. I mean, again, that means a curl of hair in Italian, so that's uh, that. I think that fits. <laughs> You know, yeah, I definitely have listen, I definitely have the best hair on the show right now. I'll tell you that right now. Illman's Illman's you know, close though. Interesting you know, sequence actually here. This you know, starts this starts a middle pick four here that I really like actually that ends with two of those stakes right in the middle of the card, actually. So this is kind of a fun early sequence here. John, what were you gonna say? 
No, uh, well, two things. One, first of all, um, I did a story uh, about coffee with Chris for um, Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred Magazine, and John Salzman said the same thing that Dan said, like, because I kind of noticed him, like, so, I think maybe he's possible to be a frequent horse, and John said, like, no, like, this horse, maybe he'll go one turn mile, but I don't think he'll go any further, so... Just echoing what Dan said, I think um, Coffee with Chris could be in, in a bit of trouble going longer, but hoping um, the best. And two, it's kind of funny because on Saturday, um, my parents are, are coming down for the weekend, and my dad, my dad's friend and I are all going to hang out at the track. And I feel like Dan, Louie, and I are me, my dad, and his friend talking about horses based on handicapping merits. And Mike is like um, uh, my mom. Betting horses because of their names. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'll win. Takes all times. I swear to God, more, I, give right? my, I give my wife one bet at the track every time we go for five bucks, and she's like, "Pollo Pico is that spicy chicken? I'll bet that one seven to one." Yeah, basically, it's like, hey, I like that name. <laughs> yeah. cool. You're like hitting trifectas and like pick threes that way too, Louie, aren't they? I mean, oh, I know. 100%. yeah, Jerks. I love it. Uh, I'm here for comic relief, John. In the in the smallest. I respect it. You know what? It's good to pick it up sometimes. It's, yeah, you it's know? very good. So I got no problems. Uh, we're gonna move on to race six, which is the John B. Campbell Stakes. It's a hundred thousand dollars. It's about a mile and a sixteenth. It's you know somewhere in the neighborhood of of mile and a sixteenth. And uh, it's a, on the dirt here. Um, who do we like in this one? We'll start with you, Mr. Piazek. Yeah, this is a. Could be the most wide open um, stakes on the card, and that's saying something because there are a lot of wide open stakes. Um, ten horses, five Maryland Reds had um, went back and forth and forth and back quite a bit in this one. Ended up going with number three, Treasure Trove on top. One of three in here, Trainer Lynn Cash. The other two being Maryland Reds, um, Plot the Dots, and Double Crown. Treasure Trove is. Not a Maryland red, but he is coming in off back-to-back impressive allowance wins. One down here, one at Aqueduct. Both times he made nice, strong moves on the back of the pack to win. Both times closing off of very slow paces. Two starts back here, he he uh, sit off a half in, in 50 seconds flat, three quarters, 114 and four. Didn't slow him down one bit. He kicked away pretty powerfully. Um, just missed his career top figure that day. And then he exceeded his career top. Last time out at Aqueduct, grinding up on the outside and winning by three parts of a length, going a mile and an eighth. This is a mile and a sixteenth. Have to figure, even if if the pace is slow, he should make his usual move and get up and get the job done. And and nice part about this field, too, is no matter who you like, you're almost guaranteed to get a good price. Dan? I agree that Treasure Trove is a very logical contender, and he's also a pretty popular horse around Maryland because he's an older half-brother to Rom Bauer, who, of course, won Preakness a couple of years ago. I'm going to go for a price in here. Shake him loose has to be one. I think he's double digits on the morning line, and he was a multiple stakes winner last year, so he showed that he could step. Now, last time out was his first race in about eight months, and in that race, if you actually watch it, he made a very early wide move and was placed on a hard chase on the turn going in against Zabra Kadabra, a horse that was just in raging form at the time. I like the fact that he held on gamely for second. He had to be getting tired in his first start back off an eight-month break. Held on for second over American Dioro, a horse that came back the other day and won with a 91 buyer speed figure. I think he gained a lot of fitness from that race. I think he's a price in here, and I think he's relatively lightly raced enough that there's some upside. 
Yeah. Louis? So Dan, I, I'm always, uh, I, I always love having you on because I can ask you DRF questions. So under the distance on a mile and a 16th, how many distances count as a mile and a 16th in the form? I'm guessing it's a mile and a 16th and about a mile and a 16th. Which is what <laughs> there it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, because uh, there are some distances, by the way, that are kind of. Mile and three sixteenths always comes to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. Five, five and a half can be a little bit tricky at yep. times. And there could be a big difference based on the configuration. So I always say do your own work. <laughs> well, there you go. Man, Dan and I landed on the same horse, which, which makes me think that our nation on parade is going to get back to form and just walk right. the field. Uh, <laughs> I do think Vance Scholars has a serious shot here. I yeah. like his form recently. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, the move to uh, to, to the younger Capuano barn here uh, has been good for a lot of horses. Frankly, his early uh, numbers are very, very good in the return there. But I, I'm with Dan here, man. I think that you got a chance at a price. I think John's started this conversation perfectly, which is good shot at a price in this, in this spot here for sure. And so um, if you feel like a horse has a shot, go ahead and use them. I think Armando R is another horse here too. It has a really, really serious shot. Seems to love two turns. Didn't fire all that well last time out, but sometimes horses just don't do that. Gets a little bit of time off here, about five, six weeks. I like that. Um, and, um, you know, that's that's a barn that does really well with that kind of time off as well. So use a couple of horses here, but I do think our, uh, Shake and Loose and Amarna R are going to be part of the equation at the end. Yeah, ironically enough, this race used to be a mile and three sixteenths, Louis, and when it was at oh. Pimlico, mm -hmm. uh, in the uh, from eighty six to two thousand one. So, uh, the race has been around for a long time since nineteen fifty four. So, Do you know they have tight turns at Pimlico. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> uh, people are saying it. <laughs> We're going to move on to the seventh race, which is the Nelly Morse Stakes. It's a uh, $100,000 race, and again, about a mile and 16th on the dirt. We're just going to do this one for the girls. So uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Louie. Louie, who do you like here? Yeah, I, you know, I, this is one where I, again, I want to like the, the Morning Life favorite here, Hybrid Eclipse, more for the connections, I think, than recent form. Uh, three for seven last year. It does get a little bit of time off here, which I think probably was good for her as well. Uh, a bit like Armando are in the last race. I think she's obviously going to be uh, near the front of the pace there and, and going to be um, – is going to be – if she gets her race, she's going to be third, fourth in the race. She's going to press and she's going to get get a shot at that. I, I'm trying to figure out who the, you know, sort of obvious early speed is here that she's going to be able to chase. Maybe it's by the best, but that horse has been closing recently. Um, I, I really don't know. Award wanted is interesting in this race as well for John Robb and uh, – Obviously, he and Cruz, not a, a huge combination. Horse worked really, really well in the middle of January at Laurel. Has five wins and 18 lifetime starts there. This, to me, for only having seven horses, feels like three or four of them could absolutely jump up. So I, I'll be honest, I, I don't feel great about any of them. I think a horse like 90% Bryn, for example, coming in for Robert Reed from Parks, even though it was at a lower optional claiming level, is the kind of horse that could come in, go two turns, and just love it and, um, and, and just happen to like Laurel is coming in off that win early in January at Park. So I, I this I don't want to say all, but this feels kind of like an all-kind of race. Uh, John? Well, I picked hybrid Eclipse on top in here, but as Louis said, I mean, there's a million ways um, to go. I, I can see a case uh, about anybody. Hybrid Eclipse likes this track a lot. Won two stakes on this track last year. Two starters back, won um, the 38 Go-Go stakes, he put well off the pace to win going away. Came in third in the carousel behind um, Malibu Beauty, who had a pretty easy front-running trip. And really, the way that it was played out, especially since Hybrid Eclipse got caught wide, really nobody had a shot at catching her. 
just your point about who could possibly take the early lead. The only one who I could really see is number five, Pistol Liz Ablazon, one of two in here for Butch Reed. Battled on the pace two starts back in late October at Parks, one going away, made her first start off, a bit of a layoff, going seven furlongs, which I'm not sure is quite her speed. I think she's better off going two turns, even though it's only one race sample size, but still. And came in fourth that day. Goes second off the break here. Goes back around two turns. And 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 if she's sent early by Frankie Pennington, who comes in for this down in Barron later in the day, she could be tough to catch. Dan? Uh, I agree that Pistol Lisa Blazin is probably going to make the lead in here for Butch Reed. I think Award Wanted is a horse that has shown some speed in the past and is going to get close. Uh, Hybrid Eclipse, Award Wanted, they look very strong. They're going to take a lot of money. I'm not sure there's such an edge that I want to take a short price. Hybrid Eclipse is the accomplished horse of the stakes winner. Two starts back, forced to make two moves last time out in a paceless race. She had to move early to get into it, and she still got wired. Uh, as for Award Wanted, couldn't have asked for a better trip last time out. Just saved ground in the pocket. The rail opened up. She saved every inch of ground. So give me by the best. A horse that can get close to a moderate pace. The distance is somewhat of a question mark, but her last race at Parks was pretty good. It was a race where they ran 1-2 all the way around the track, she was the only horse making up late ground. And I think that's a pretty good sign, stretching out in distance where she can get comfortable and up close. Plus, she won a couple of stakes races last year, so she's shown the ability in the past. So, Louis, later on in the show, we're going to talk about the Rachel Alexander stakes. And, of course, Rachel Alexander was one of the few fillies, the, one of two fillies to win the Preakness stakes, the other one being Nellie Morse. Nellie Morse won the Preakness in 1924, but is the only horse to win the Black Eyed Susan and the Preakness stakes. Did it three days apart. <laughs> Issel would that love good? that stat. Issel, <laughs> yeah, that, that's an Issel. That is an <laughs> Issel. Man, I'm, I went from Dan Issel to Dan Illman today, too. I'm, now I'm, I'm realizing so. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's craziness. Uh, I can't even imagine running in, this, in, this, in the uh, blackout season and three days later winning the Preakness. I mean, that's it's unfathomable to even think about, right? So, there is an after hope 99 years later. Yeah, right. All right, so we're moving on to uh, race eight. We're getting into the the first grade three of the day again. We're we're arguing on whether this is Barbara Fritchie day, um, or or not, and so or the General George. Uh, so this is a this is a huge race, two hundred fifty thousand dollar race, seven furlongs on the dirt for fillies and mares, four year olds and up. Uh, again, we'll start with John here because uh, you know I know that this is a big uh, race for them. Uh, who do you like in the Barbara Fritchie? Well, both from a job standpoint a <laughs> personal standpoint and from a handicapping and and from an honest to god handicapping standpoint i really like fee d'esprit you know obviously she loves lowell 12 for 19 on this track and last time out in uh what are summer stakes that was really a statement race because two starts back she didn't run too well swaying to and fro beat her in the well on the move pretty easily and you know one might have thought maybe the ties are kind of turning in, in mid-atlantic sprint female division maybe swaying to and fro possibly the greatest now whoever lived is now um a uh, queen of that division but but Free to speak, uh, free to spree, bounced back in a big way made her usual move dropped win very impressively and earned a career best prisoner speed figure. Granted, it, it is a tougher field than she's used to. Um, Prodigy Doll coming third off the layoff has some back class, obviously. Union Lake and Pass the Champagne 
both great stakes placed. That being said, Vita Spree's in career best form. I don't think the outside post is going to bother her too much. I think she'll sit her usual trip kind of in mid-pack and make her wide move, and she'll get her, her first ever graded stakes win an inch closer that illustrious million-dollar mark. All right, there it is. So, Louis, is, is pass a champagne to a highbrow to be a horse for the show? <laughs> no. No? Okay, all right, we'll do that. Put some orange juice in well, it. Well, it depends if it's in a paper bag or not. That, well, there you go, right? <laughs> Dan, who do you my, like in this one? Um, I, I respect Field Esprit. I'm rooting for Field Esprit. She ran third in this race last year. I think she's going to run third again. Uh, I like the two horses shipping in, Union Lake and Pass the Champagne. I have a very tough time separating them. I go with a better price. I assume the better price will be Union Lake. Uh, you look at her race two starts. I really the key for Union Lake is this. Can she be as effective without Lasix as she is with? She's three for three with Lasix. She's 0 for three without. And you look at that race two starts back, that's pretty bad without Lasix. She got a zero buyer and got beat 150 lengths. I talked to John Terranova. You can believe trainers speak all you want. He said when John Velasquez got off the uh, Raven run that day, he said we were down inside. She kind of brushed up and kind of very minor clipped heels with the horse in front of her, and she just didn't like that at all and gave up, and Velasquez decided to take care of her. She comes back last time out in a second-level allowance in the fog at Aqueduct. She ran down a horse on the lead that came right back to win with a 91 or a 92 buyer. I love this outside post position. I love her tactical speed, and I love her upside. As for past the champagne, she's very talented. It's a shame she's had her share of physical problems. Just look at the layoffs. In only her third lifetime start, she gets beat ahead by Malathot, who is now a two-time Eclipse Award winner. And then she runs terribly in the Kentucky Oaks with trouble. She disappears for a long time. She comes back and she wins. She disappears for a long time. She ran great last time out in the two-turn race, where she won the duel. She lost the war. I personally think she's better going seven-eighths of a mile. I love horses cutting back to this distance. I think she might be the class of the field. Is she getting better with age? I mean, that's a huge speed figure she threw up in that race. I mean, uh, It's so hard to decide. I love looking at lightly race three-year-olds and four-year-olds and trying to project improvement, and I think you can. When we're getting to the lightly raced five-year-olds and you're assuming they've had all these sorts of physical problems, I'm guessing we might have seen her best yet, but her best is pretty darn good and good enough to win this. Yeah. Louie? I agree. I have passed the champagne on top, and I agree with Dan that it's it's a distance thing for me and a class thing for me. I think she's the most – I think she's the classiest, you know, class on class. in this race for sure. Class on class for sure. And I, I, I would land on her. I think this is an opportunity, for example, to try to beat the popular Maryland horse in the sequence as well and try to beat Fetus Free. I'm asking a question because I don't know the answer. Does Fetus Free have a graded win? No. No. Okay, so she's, she's picked off a lot of these these these. Yeah, she won five ungraded stakes last year. Okay, yeah, I know it's unbelievable, and they're doing the. Great. By the way, if I own her and she was twelve for nineteen in a track, I keep her at the track. Like I, I get it. No, I'm not. I'm not making. Well, she bounced around quite a bit. I mean, like she won a stakes sure. at Penn, the stakes at Colonial Downs, was placed at Charlestown, placed at Parks. I mean, she really did a lot of traveling, but her best work is done at all. Yeah, she placed on uh, Preakness Day as well. I remember that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, um, Let's get the, back. Uh, you know, it's um, but I would, I would, I would push for those two outside horses that are coming in for this race between Union Lake and Passage Champion. I think those are your two most likely. I think you know, given the what Barbara, who Barbara Frenchy was, this unionist and part of this famous poem and all that stuff for waving <laughs> the American flag out Union the window, Lake. you got to go with Union Lake. Lake. 
right? It's like apropos that Union Lake would be the winner of this race. Whoa, All right. whoa. Did you just use the term apropos? Yeah, correctly. Whoa. I, whoa. I leave for a week and this happens? We're saying apropos now? On this Come show? on now. You know, I got I got a little bit up here. Just a little bit. All right. We're going to move on to the General George Stakes. And we're basically the same race, except this one's for uh, open company. It's for the men and the women. Uh, although there are no women in this race. I don't think so, at least. Yeah. Um, so what do we got in this one? Another great three here. Uh, Dan, who do you like here? Uh, toss up for me between Eastern Bay and Factor It In. Probably use Baron a little bit underneath. Uh, Factor It In's just been very good. Uh, I hate the fact that he's probably going to be the favorite in this race, but he's won his last four at Laurel. I think he's something like eight for 12 lifetime at Laurel, and he showed that he could step with graded stakes competition with those two near misses in New York, three and four starts back. And I also like the versatility he's shown. He won on the lead two starts back. And then last time out, they took him off when the pace was faster, and he swept by everybody. He's very logical on paper. Eastern Bay, to me, is very, very interesting. This is a horse that ran last time out in a graded stakes race in New York, and it looked like he had all the momentum from the back of the pack, and in the last 100 yards, he might have hung just a little bit, and it cost him the race. This is a horse with a lot of back class. I think he got beat a nose in this race a couple of years ago, so he's got some ability. Uh, he's going to be running on at the end. There's a chance this pace is going to get very fast because one of his stable mates, Pirate Rick, is blazing from the gate. Easter Bay is freaking nine years old. Mm -hmm. Most of the horses in this race, by the way, have been claimed at one point or another. Yes. Yeah. So is this a great three field then? Uh, it's so hard to decide what's a grade three field. And we see grade ones that aren't grade ones anymore. Oh, is yeah. We talk about that all the time field? on the show. I think this is probably a grade three field. I think Factor It In belongs. Barron has been one of the better sprinters in the Mid-Atlantic region for a long time right now. Um, there's some solid horses in this race. Horses capable of running fast races. I'll say it's a grade three. I mean, so this is a race, topic, though. That... Go ahead. So on Larry. that topic, Mike, I mean, how long has this been a quarter million dollar race? Because... I seem to recall this being maybe 150000 recently. And and my point being that eventually people are going to start shipping for a quarter million dollar graded stakes. Yeah. And so, I especially mean, one know, this time of the year, right? There's not yeah, a whole lot of options. Right. You got you got to spend the money to get people down here. So and just I'm, I'm happy just to remember see a couple of years ago, guys, Forensic Fire won this race. That's exactly what mm -hmm. I was going to say. Yeah. 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 I mean, over the years, it's not some nice horses. I have the race history. Um, in front of me, it wasn't a good stakes until the early 90s. Okay. Now it's two, of $200,000. Um, it's never been run for a higher post than this, and, and it was a grade two until 2012 oh. when, it's been um, when it was downgraded to grade three. But, you know, as Dan said, it's a pretty solid grade three type bunch, a lot of strong local sprinters. Of course, last year, Cord Maker from Maryland very won it. But um, it's been won by Imperial Hint. In recent years, um, who else won it? Silver Wagon won it. A firm success back in the day. So, a few decent horses. Of course, this yeah, race is I, I think this is the only. Go ahead, Blair, sorry. <laughs> This is the only thing the cash barn doesn't do well is bring horses off of this kind of layoff. And, I, and so, I'm leaving Eastern Bay out here, even though everything Dan said is absolutely true. Um, I'm only doing it based on the layoff. Maybe that, you know, he won't fire for whatever reason. I, I do like the outside poster factor in it. I think it's absolutely um, a great spot for him. And I think this field is a great spot for him. Um, he loves Laurel. And I think if I'm going really skinny in the late part of the, of the, the card, 
this might be it. It might be bad. In fact, right now. All right. Well, that that does about does. Oh, we're gonna do the last race just to kind of complete the uh, sequence there. Right? I want to do it just because. I, you know, I what told you, the Maryland people. What did you do, Louie? Oh my! I have a setup out here that. Uh huh. I think you're drinking. I'm. You're drinking though. No, for no, sure, no. Right? Um, it started raining, so I had to move. Oh, um, I gotcha. The because it's the Caribbean and it just rains whenever the hell it wants. Um, I uh, I I, I begged the Maryland people not to have a nickel claimer at the end of these sequences. And now there's a starting optional claimer, and I feel, you feel like you got to talk go about it. A hundred percent. All right, well then go for it. You start us off. <laughs> Pick Italian dressing and let's move on. <laughs> I think there are actually there's a chance to go a little bit skinny here, which is nice. Um, I think you got to play the one horse. I think you got to use Bandit's Warrior here, coming out of Charlestown, but is a uh, two for eight lifetime on the track here. Um, Peyton Elizabeth is an interesting horse out of the Nest Barn, coming in off the first claim. I mean Ness. I mean just. Terrific off the first claim, 28%. Uh, uh, Nash and Rodriguez hitting at 27%. Sort of royalty at Laurel as well. So I think you got to use that horse. And um, I, I don't know. I think there's some other ones. Dan, I think proper retire has been running well uh, as well at the sprint distance. And so we're getting six furlongs here for that horse as well. And it's the kind of race that, you know, John Robs to just pick off at the end of the day anyway. What do you paper, think about this one, Dan? On, on paper, it looks like there's a lot of speed in this race, doesn't it? Bandit's Warrior, Proper Attire. You've got the much-improved Miss Casey. But the fact that Bandit's Warrior and Proper Attire are both trained by John Robb, I wonder if they're really going to get involved in a pace dispute. Proper Attire has been running in very good form recently. And she showed at Pimlico that she could sit second early and sort of brush past horses. I think in the form she's in right now, I'm going to use her. Uh, Peyton Elizabeth's the closer. If this pace becomes a barbecue, Peyton Elizabeth, as you mentioned, off the Ness reclaims the one that's going to be running late. John? Yeah, as Dan said, there's a lot of speed in here. I'm sure we all know, by the way, who um, Bennett's warrior is a half-sister to. Anybody know? Anna's bandit. That's right, yeah. We just uh, had her first poll last month. It's going to tap it. Um, Bennett's warrior, just like her half-sister, is quite speedy. So is proper attire. I think if anyone is going to outkick everyone else early. It's going to be proper retire. She has the best early pace figures in the field and has gone uh, gate to wire in her last two starts pretty easily. Um, outside draw is, is not great, but if the X-Man is aggressive enough, he, um, um, he'll get up to the rail and lead with her. So I think we'll know in about the first five seconds if proper retire <laughs> is yeah. going to win or not. And All if right. the pace does end up being very fast, I think Peyton, Peyton Elizabeth is most likely one to scoop it up. All right. Well, guys, we always appreciate you coming on. Louie, I hope you're enjoying I want to, Puerto Rico. Uh, I want to let the guys pub everything they're doing. Uh, obviously, we'll get together in a month uh, for those two preps that we're going to talk about between the Weaver City Miss and the Tessio. Uh, we'll make sure that we do that as well. Dan, where can people find you and what should they be watching for? Uh, head on over to drf.com. You'll see my race advances, previews, recaps for anything Mid-Atlantic related, especially at Maryland. Head on over to the Daily Racing Form YouTube channel for lots of handicapping videos. He makes our he makes our videos look terrible. By the way, oh you know, yeah, I don't want to oh, I don't want to pub his videos. They're so good, <laughs> like I, they're so well produced. I don't want to pub those. Look, I don't like Dan, but people do, so it's just I have to have them. <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. <laughs> John, tell everybody what you got. What you got going on? Well, find me on a personal account, as you can see at they're off for all the happenings with Maryland Reds in the world. Find us at Maryland. TB talking about all the 
the events going on at the Maryland Horse Library, brand new in Rice's Town. So if you're in the area, stop by. And we'll also be be, be announcing the Maryland UN champions pretty soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. And on Saturday, we'll have coverage of all the Maryland Reds, hopefully a few Maryland Red winners. And I also want to note that if Eastern Bay does win General George, he will become a new Maryland Red millionaire, which will be, um, be pretty neat. So... Once again, that's at They're Off and at Maryland TV for all my good stuff and all my not-so-good stuff, too. I want to know, when did you get that Twitter handle? I need to you know, seriously know. Like, Because when I um, – way back in the day, I was part of a message board called the TVG Community. Uh-huh. And when I signed up for it, my screen name was And They're Off. And so when I um, started a Twitter account, I, I wanted to be And They're Off again, but it was taken, so I took – there, but off. still, to get that is pretty impressive. So, how long ago was that? I mean, that's what, nine years ago. So, all right, that wasn't taken nine years ago, you know. No, and it fits too because you know I grew up going to Mont's Park a lot. I grew up listening to Larry Colmes, and he never says "and they're off." He always just says "they're off." They're off. Yeah. So it's um, very appropriate in that way too. By the way, uh, just to uh, schedule you guys, we have our broadcast schedule for Preakness. We're doing a show 10 to noon. I have a I have an ESPN affiliate show here in Louisville or in Louisville where Mike is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to be doing that live uh, at Pimlico. So Black Eyed Susan Day, I will see both of you, all right? And we're staying at John's house? Is that right? Yeah, we're staying at, well, John's we're, John's we're not staying with John, yeah. Oh, we're not? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I got space maybe like – you know, I should probably, probably about three people. So <laughs> if y'all that's all it is. Hey, it's perfect. Hey, one of you sleep on my couch. I'm, I'm uh, couch you know, guy. Uh, yeah. is yours. <laughs> So awesome. All right. Well, there we got it all settled there, Louie. There you go. So <laughs> all right, guys. Appreciate it very much. I'll see you in a month.